Hi, this is GP Mac, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. Independence Day may have come and gone, but I'm still celebrating American Pride Month all July long, because a single day is just not enough to celebrate America's greatness. Okay, so now that we're back, um, let's get into, uh, the news, it's like recovering some of, um, the news that happened in the last few weeks, uh, with regards to several different SCOTUS, uh, rulings. Of course, the big one was, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson overturning Roe v. Wade. In the shadow of that one, though, uh, comes another, or came another critical SCOTUS ruling. Uh, it was West Virginia versus the EPA. And uh, despite the Democrats' howlings, these recent SCOTUS rulings will not mean the death of our democracy. Quite the contrary, in fact. And uh, as I mentioned, I believe in uh, last week and the week before, um, you, know, you hear all of this hyperbole, particularly from the Democrats and from the left, saying that, oh, my God, these rulings, the, it's a rogue Supreme Court. Um, if they believe that a Supreme Court that strictly follows the Constitution and protects the rights of the people is uh, rogue, then, you know, I don't understand. I can't agree with what, where they're coming from. And uh, I'll show you in a, a few minutes how their position that these rulings, you know, this all this hyperbole about uh, being the death to, of democracy uh, is just that, and it's nonsense. Um and uh, so I'm gonna, uh, we're going to talk about that, and particularly with regards to West Virginia versus EPA. So a couple weeks ago, um, the Supreme Court decided the West uh, Virginia versus EPA, which basically said that the EPA did not have the authority to make uh, policy and on such a grand scale and that what it effectively did is it, it remanded the matter back to Congress where it uh, belongs and uh, so there is a uh, good article um, coming from the signal the daily signal uh, it's called uh, Ruling in West Virginia versus EPA Scores Win for Representative Government. And it's from uh, The Daily Signal, July 8th, written by Darren Bax. And so the picture there, um, you know, kind of on the headline, you know, it's bunch of, uh, I guess, people who lean towards, uh, you know, these are climate change activists and they're holding these 
professionally made placards, one from this year, club.org. Uh, it says, protect our democracy, protect our environment. Um, well, I would suggest that this article or this ruling does exactly that, um, particularly the first part of that, protect our democracy. Well, he said, um, you know, the Democrats would have you believe that our democracy is extinct uh, with these rulings that has a lot of them upset. Uh, first, there was the uh, Second Amendment ruling that allowed uh, people in New York to um, get a obtain a uh, concealed carry permit for their weapon um, without uh, going through um, an inordinate, um, unnecessary um, amount of, of questions, and so. The uh, Supreme Court ruled in that case um, in favor of Second Amendment rights. That, that of course, upset a lot of people on the left, a lot of Democrats. Um, but that was just getting warmed up for the Supreme Court ruling, uh, Dobbs v. Jackson, that overturned Roe versus Wade. And that one, um, of course, they, you know, they went ballistic after that ruling and they that's when they really start saying uh you know this is means the death to our democracy our democracy is over all sorts of nonsense like that and then you had this west virginia versus epa and of course they said a lot of the same things about that ruling too um so I'm going to uh, kind of demonstrate in this article in uh, the Daily Signal is going to point out uh, just exactly what happened with that ruling, West Virginia versus EPA, and why it uh, does not, in fact, mean the death of our democracy, but uh, quite the contrary. Um, so let, without any further ado, I'm going to uh, read from this article um, from the Daily Signal. Under the U.S. Constitution, only Congress possesses federal lawmaking power. But anyone familiar with the massive administrative state might question whether that's true in practice. After all, federal agencies make a habit of acting as though there is a special lawmaking power just for for bureaucrats, bureaucrats. On the June on June 30th, though, there was some good news on the agency overreach front. In West Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court pushed back against an environmental protection agency power grab that went too far. The court, in a 6-3 opinion, held that the EPA wasn't authorized under the Clean Air Act to issue an, a, an Obama administration rule known as the Clean Power Plan. The EPA was trying to utilize a statutory provision dealing with the regulation of emissions from individual power plants to dictate how electricity is generated across the entire electricity grid okay so the, the uh for just for a little background the um 
the uh, Clean Air Act, which was established in the Nixon administration back in the 70s, um, basically was meant to uh, control pollutants and in going into the atmosphere. Okay, so this would be um, uh, sulfur emissions, uh, nitric oxide emissions, uh, things of that nature. Uh, basically, things that make the smoke coming out of the smokestack dirty smoke and not just steam. Um, so the the uh, EPA was set up to regulate this, and they had the uh, Clean Air Act. Did um, you just what I mentioned to uh, reduce air pollution? Uh, since then, um, the back in the Obama administration, you know, of course, you had this famously you had the Obama War on Coal. Uh, which basically aimed at uh, destroying the coal industry by uh, through uh, regulation, and so uh, you had this um, unelected body in the EPA dictating what the um, power plants can do, how they can uh, clean their emissions. And this, of course, was perverted into not just uh, a way of keeping the air pollution down, but actually destroying the entire industry of uh, fossil fuels, but and specifically coal file fire plants. And so Obama uh, passed this clean power plan, basically with the intent of destroying the um, coal industry. And West Virginia, of course, is a major coal production state. And they say, well, now, wait a minute. Um, you're destroying a, a key industry in, in our state. And uh, we would like our constituents, you know, uh, to have some say over what happens here. And so what this uh, case argued was whether or not the EPA had the authority to do what it was doing. And so uh, I think this article can explain it better than me, so I'm going to continue on. Uh, the EPA was trying to utilize a statutory provision dealing with the regulation of emissions from individual power plants to dictate how electricity is generated across the entire electricity grid. To reduce greenhouse gas emissions, the agency sought to shift electricity generation from conventional sources, coal and natural gas, to renewable sources, wind and solar. In doing so, the EPA was taking action to help kill off the coal industry with a specific goal of significantly reducing coal-generated electricity. There's nothing in the Clean Air Act that says the EPA has the authority to issue such an extraordinary and sweeping rule that would transform the economy and the energy sector. In fact, as the EPA itself stated in 2019, when seeking to repeal the rule during the Trump administration, Congress had precluded that 
type of generation shifting scheme. In this case, the Supreme Court applied the major questions doctrine, which requires a role of such magnitude to be clearly authorized by statute. That means by law passed by Congress or by the states. The majority pointed to cases in which it struck down similar efforts by agencies claiming sweeping authority, such as the Food and Drug Administration, asserting that its authority over drugs and devices included the power to regulate even banned tobacco products, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention claiming it had an authority to institute a nationwide eviction moratorium in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Those are extraordinary cases, as the court pointed out, explaining that they are cases in which the history and breadth of the authority that the agency has asserted and the economic and political significance of that assertion provide a reason to hesitate before concluding that Congress meant to confer such authority. The Clean Power Plan is also one of those extraordinary cases. The EPA claimed to have this power, even though it has acknowledged that it doesn't have expertise on electricity matters. And as explained by the court, the agency's discovery of power allowed it to adopt a regulatory program that Congress had conspicuously and repeatedly declined to enact itself. Congress rightfully gets criticized for delegating too much power to federal agencies. But when it comes to the Clean Power Plan, Congress can't be blamed for excessive delegation. The Clean Power Plan isn't a reflection of the EPA implementing delegated power, but instead an example of the EPA pushing its own policy agenda contrary to the will of Congress. And that, of course, um, speaks to a long-standing difference between conservatives and progressives, uh, where to draw a line between the power of the regulatory agencies and Congress. And what uh, West Virginia was arguing uh, here in this case was that EPA was overreaching um, in their power and that such large matters um, should be uh, relegated back to Congress because um, they exceed the purview of the, the EPA and they exceed the, uh, the mandate given uh, to the EPA to uh, clean the air. Of course, they, um, as, it, as it mentioned, they were trying to uh, control how all electricity was um, generated in this country. And that's something that the, as the, uh, the article mentions, uh, the, the uh, Congress uh, kind of conspicuously and repeatedly declined to enact itself. And so that's where we are. We, we have this long-standing difference between conservatives and progressives about what the power of 
government should be in this matter and uh, where does the EPA's power uh, the EPA of course is, is, is an extension of the executive branch where does that power end and where does the uh, power of Congress um, begin or, or vice versa and so what the proponents of this uh, act are arguing is that it was indeed the uh, ability, the EPA did have the ability to create um, these regulations. And of course, the other side, West Virginia, is saying, no, they didn't. Um, that that's obviously exceeds the purview of the EPA and therefore is the jurisdiction of the uh, legislative branch. And so this, this uh, ruling in West Virginia versus EPA kind of clarifies that line. Um, and of course, as you can imagine, the, the climate change alarmists out there are quite alarmed in this. Um, what they don't understand is that there's a difference between what they want with, uh, in regards to fighting climate change. Okay. Cause when the EPA was, um, developed and the clean air act was enacted back in the seventies, there was really no concept of climate change. Okay. That wasn't the idea of the EPA or the clean air act. It was never to combat climate change. It was to uh, combat air pollution. And of course, there are some important distinctions to be made. Um, first of all, you can have a measurable effect on the amount of um, particulates um, put into the air by a factory. Um, you know, CO2 particulates or or sulfur dioxide or nitric oxide or, or or things of that nature. These are um, common pollutants coming out of factories. And so you can measure that. Uh, what you cannot measure is how well uh, these restrictions do or do not have an impact on climate change. There's no way, um, at least that we know, that science know, knows of, to say, okay, you reduce uh, this this amount of uh, CO2 emissions, you get this change in the climate. It doesn't work that way. The climate is too big of a system to be measured. So there's no quantifiable way to, to judge the results of any sort of um, EPA ruling or, uh, or in this case, an Obama administration um, action. And so that, that's the basic difference. On one hand, you have the uh, measurability um, to measure how much pollutants go into the air. And we know exactly, or we know pretty well um, what the effect is. Okay, you have a short-term effect um, when you reduce pollutants or increase pollutants. You have a, a kind of short-term measurable effect where you can see um, whether or not your policy is working or not, whether or not uh, more needs to be done. But when it comes to climate change, climate change is such a nebulous concept uh, 
that there's there's no way to judge whether a uh, particular action will help in the fight against climate change or whether there's anything much that people can do to fight climate change to begin with. And so that's the difference there. All right, so let's uh, continue on with the article. Uh, as would be expected, there has been left-wing criticism over the court's opinion and the obstacles it will create for the EPA in addressing climate change. That includes criticism from President Joe Biden. But it isn't the job of the court to allow agencies to usurp congressional law-making power so those agencies can achieve their desired policy outcomes. If the left wants misguided policy to dictate how electricity is generated, then Congress needs to pass a law to that effect and not expect an agency without authority to do an end run around the lawmaking process. Some will claim that that's easier said than done, given how hard it is to pass laws in Congress. But such an argument ignores the fact that laws are not supposed to be easy to get enacted, especially laws making sweeping changes. To get a bill enacted, it must pass through a bicameral legislature and get signed into law by the president. Legislators who are elected and accountable to their own constituents must negotiate and persuade other legislators who represent different constituencies from across the country to get their legislation passed. These hurdles help to get wider buy-in, create predictability, and minimize large swings in national policy, a problem that's often seen within agencies when new administrations take over. Okay, and so this kind of gets at the heart of what I'm arguing here, and gets at the heart of against the argument that these rulings uh, mean uh, the death to our democracy. Um, as you can see, um, the the result of this um, ruling in uh, West Virginia versus the EPA basically returns the power to make these rules or changes, if they want to make any changes, or uh, environmental goals, these sweeping environmental changes, um, that puts it back on the Congress. So the Congress for a long time has basically, um, you could, you could say, uh, deferred their power. They outsourced their power to the executive branch via the EPA. And so that's why we have this problem. And of course the EPA, um, when no one directly, votes for anybody in the EPA. I mean, the EPA, I guess, head has to be approved. It's, it's a cabinet-level position, so it has to be approved. So, But beyond that, there's really no uh, democratic process uh, affecting what the EPA does. And so, therefore, it behooves us, if we want to remain a free country and not ruled by uh, agencies, unelected people in agencies, 
it behooves us and it, it would behoove the, the Congress and the uh, state legislatures to do their job and pass these laws and not uh, outsource um, these laws to other agencies. And of course, it's pretty easy to see why, if you think about it, why Congress would do that. Because congressmen, um, they have to run for re-election. They run for re-election every two years in the House and every six years in the Senate. And they don't want to go to their constituencies and say, you know, we passed this law limiting uh, CO2 production, carbon uh, carbon output by our coal fire um, plants. They don't want to do that. They don't want to take the blame for the uh, plants being shut down anywhere. Uh, and people being put out, uh, put out of work. So they defer this action. They outsource this to the EPA. And then um, if anything happens, if, if EPA regulations result in the closure of a coal fire plant or something like that, then the, the Congress can just, you know, pretend they had nothing to do with it and blame it all on the EPA for any negative impact it has on their constituents. And so that's the basic problem. Okay, so getting back to the article, uh, discuss what are the advantages of doing it this way, bringing it back to the um, Congress, back into the hands of putting this matter back into the hands of Congress and by extension, the people. It says, um, those hurdles help to get wider buy-in, create predictability, and minimize large swings in national policy, a problem that's often seen within agencies when new administrations take over. It creates legitimacy in our laws and faith in our system, and it prevents just the sort of political factionalization that our founders worried about. Such a process helps to reflect the will of the American people, which is at the heart of any representative democracy. And again, that goes to what I'm saying and against what the Democrats are, are claiming that this, this um, ruling damages and destroys our democracy. No, quite opposite. Uh, it edifies our democracy. It helps our representative democracy. It, it brings these things that affect the will of all Americans closer to the will of the people, closer to the will of the people who are who will be affected by these all uh, changes and these regulations. And I, for one, think that's a good thing. If you're going to make a re re regulation that's going to change whether or not I pay um, this amount for my electricity or a much higher amount, of my electricity because now I have to depend solely on wind and solar and not cheaper forms of fossil fuels like before then you know I think the average person the average American citizen would like to have a say in that and they want the ability to weigh the pros and cons of such a decision they they this gives or this creates an environment where 
the representatives have to make their case for what they want to do. So in this case, they would say, well, we want, we think that climate change is bad. We believe that if we reduce our carbon emissions, um, that will improve the climate change situation, even though they'll have almost no way of supporting that claim, but they'll claim that. But anyway, that, that will be the argument that they can make. And so now it will be, as a practical matter, it will be uh, for the representatives of different states, different constituencies to present their argument to the people. And the people can, through voting for their state or their representatives and the House of Representatives, their congressmen, their congresspeople, by voting f for their congresspeople, that gives people a say. Um, so, you know, when, I, when you hear people like AOC and Nancy Pelosi talking about, you know, the death of democracy and this, this uh, illegitimate court is destroying our democracy, um, you can see the disconnect now between what their rhetoric is and what uh, is really going on. Um, you know, they're saying that, you know, these rulings like um, Dobbs versus Jackson and this one with EPA are destroying its judicial overreach, which, which is kind of ironic, um, given particularly the Roe versus Wade um, situation, which was indeed uh, a, a case of judicial overreach, which was remedied by the Dobbs versus Jackson uh, ruling. Um, but they, they say this this um, is going to be the death of democracy. And of course, they're, they're saying that because the, what they ultimately want is they want to pack the courts, which would politicize the uh, matter and and that would damage our federalist system, our, our um, republic. And that would do a lot of damage to our republic. So, you know, they claim that this is going to hurt democracy, but it's quite the contrary. And, you know, to them, I would, I would you know, just want to ask people like Pelosi or AOC or Schumer, when they say the, these things, um, just asking, you know, what's, what's that thing called, you know, when people get to vote on how important issues are handled? Oh, yeah, it's called democracy. And that's what these rulings do. It takes matters that were in the hands of unelected officials, in this case, the EPA, but this could extend um, to any of the agencies, really. Um, so I think the other agencies are going to have to pay attention to the precedent this ruling sets, um, like the Education Association, you know, the, or the department, or any of the cabinet level agencies in the executive branch are going to have to pay attention to what they do now because of this. And just like in the uh, case where Roe versus Wade over was overturned, this also returns power back to the people. So, and I thought that this, that's what 
the Democrats wanted. Um, when they talk about democracy, aren't they talking about the power of the people through their vote to decide um, the fate of these important issues that can affect a large number or all Americans? Um, I thought that's what they were for. Uh, apparently, um, they, they have some different concept of democracy other than the ones you and I were taught in civics or, um, or when we were learning in high school and college about how the Constitution U.S. government is uh, meant to work. Um, maybe they have a different idea of democracy than we do. But um, these rulings are good, um, as I mentioned before. The you know the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that again is a win for democracy because in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson, okay, what you had is abortion, and I want you kind of if you're ever going to engage with people online. Uh, about the subject is important that you um, this is something that you can kind of use so I'm going to give this to you for free um, for those whose hobby is uh, owning libs or or just setting straight um, unfactual information that some people have trying to argue so you can use this example with with regards to Dobbs versus Jackson overturning Roe versus Wade is that you had in that case, you had abortion. So you had an abortion that at one time, originally, uh, whether it was legal or not, was up to the states, okay? So the state legislatures could decide whether or not they want to have abortion. And a couple of states... Uh, beginning mainly in, I guess, like the 1850s, uh, passed laws against abortion. And other states followed you know, to various degrees. And so you had the matter of whether or not someone could have an abortion or not in the hands of the people. And what Roe versus Wade did was take, it, take that matter out of the hands of the people where um, people could vote on it or um, indirectly vote on it through their legislatures um, they took it out of the reach of the people out of the voters and just made it into like a pseudo right you know that was cobbled together th from other uh, rights um, but the right you know abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution, and so there's no, um, there's nothing in the Constitution that says for sure whether it's a right or not. So if it's an implied right, then it's up to the people and the states to decide. And so what Roe v. Wade did was it took the matter from the realm of the voters, from the realm of democracy, put it into, took it out of their hands. For about 50 years so that there's not much uh, anybody can do to vote to limit um, abortion um, basically what they agreed upon what kind of what, what what was settled upon was that the states could make laws 
um, regarding abortion only until the point of viability of the fetus. And so, but they could not make any um, laws more stringent than that for all intents and purposes. And so that's the way it was for nearly 50 years. And then recently with uh, Dobbs versus Jackson, overturning Roe versus Wade return the matter back to the people and put it back into the sphere of democracy where uh, people can be vote what people could vote on it whether or not they want to have the, uh, some abortions or no abortions or abortions up to up until maybe a certain point or under certain circumstances so it puts it all in um the realm of democracy and you would think that the democrats you know it's only in their name right they would love more democracy more chance to vote on things and i thought the ability to vote on things was precisely what democracy was but apparently uh they don't think that now uh, with the, with that ruling or with this one um yeah west virginia versus epa west virginia um, versus EPA takes the matter because again uh, pollution how much pollution was you know going into uh, the air which no one really wants you know pollution in the air so we made this uh, Congress decide to form the EPA and uh, make the Clean Air Act and so that the idea was to reduce air pollution that's what Congress um voted on um but again that like you know a lot of things in the federal government you know they give them a little they get a little power and then that power grows and grows and grows and grows until it's so enormous and so that's what happened with the epa and it started in a lot of the uh federal agencies do this they overreach they they make up basic they're basically acting as a super legislature or another uh, legislature uh, besides congress and of course um, the constitution only gives the ability to create laws to one um, part of the government okay that the congress to to the legislature uh, they didn't give it to the judicial branch, and they didn't give it to the executive branch. They gave it to the legislature. So the idea of this ruling that I was I've been talking about is that the EPA is made up of unelected bodies. It's an it's an unelected body. You don't vote for the people making these regulations. I mean, you kind of uh, vote indirectly. Um, through a very kind of circuitous route um, for the head of the EPA and some of these agencies because they have to be approved by the Senate, but really democracy doesn't affect what they do uh, uh, other beyond that. And so it, it matters how much power we give to them because once they start acting like a legislature, now they're usurping the uh powers that were granted 
um, the, the separation, they're violating the separation of powers, which is what the U.S. Constitution is all about. It's about the balance of power and the checks of balances. If you don't have that, then you, you don't have that checks and balances system. That all goes away if uh, one of uh, the branches delegates its powers to another branch, which is what happened a lot and more and more with the um, federal agencies in Washington, D.C., the EPA, and um, all the other, you know, FDA and all these other regulatory bodies. They are unelected people, therefore democracy doesn't affect them hardly at all. And that's the problem. And so it is uh, a true statement to say that these this victory here and also the other ones I talked about before, you know, these are victories and definitely not defeats for democracy. Because you have, again, you have these decisions taking the power from unelected officials and putting it back in the hands of elected officials where we can uh, have some influence, we can have some say once again on what should be done. And should the um, EPA's role be to fight climate change or should it be like it was meant to be to, to simply fight uh, pollution um, as just that, um, that limited thing and not such a broad, you know, such broad powers like um, they think they have now. And so this reigns in a lot of the power of the unelected bureaucrats in D.C. It gives it power to Congress and therefore uh, is a victory for democracy. So the Democrats really should be celebrating, not um, lamenting the fact that this ruling came through because it actually gives more power to the people because, again, it's it's a very simple proposition. You know, you take if you take power away from the unelected people and give it to the elected people, that that is good for democracy in all cases. Okay, I know the um, uh, some people on the left um, just use democracy as an ends to a means. You know, they have a goal; they want to destroy uh, the, the entire fossil fuel industry. That's their goal. That's the stated goal of a lot of them. Uh, that's the stated goal of the president. He wants to basically eliminate all fossil fuel usage. And they're, they're doing it by 2030 or whatever, 2050. But their, their stated intent is to uh, eliminate all fossil fuel usage. But what the, what they, the way they've been trying to do it is say, well, we don't care what the people think. We don't care about uh, the people, the coal miners in West Virginia or the plant workers in West Virginia or Pennsylvania or any of these other states that uh, produce coal or fossil fuels. Um, their, their, their way has been just to ignore the people. You know, they use it when it serves their purposes, but when it doesn't serve their purposes, then they rely on unelected bodies such as the EPA to do their work for it. And as I mentioned, that kind of absolves the congressman, your rep representative, from taking the heat 
from destroying the fossil fuel plants for um, closing um, coal fire plants or coal mines or um, could be nuclear power plants or nuclear power plants not being built or being built. And people are now feeling the effects of some of these rules. A lot of these rules are helping to increase the cost of our energy. You know, despite what President Biden will tell you, the increase in the cost of energy um, isn't so much to do with the war in Ukraine, although that does have an effect. Um, there was a steady increase ever since his um, inauguration. The cost of gas has been going up and up and up. And so the people seeing this want to say, hey, we need to put a brakes on these things. We need uh, to rethink some of these policies that are um, drastically increasing the cost of energy. Because um, now I'm paying double the amount of money it takes to, to fill up my vehicle. And I have to get, I've used my vehicle to get to work. And now it costs twice as much as it used to um, just uh, two years ago to fill up my vehicle with um, gas or diesel. And, of course, you know, that affects all of this, you know, affects the truckers um, where they have to account for the increase in gas prices. They have to pass that increase over to the people they work for. And those people, uh, eventually, it, it trickles down to the consumer eventually you and i when part of what we're you know when we buy something um we buy a, a color tv a, an led tv the led tv had at some point be transported using fossil fuels okay because there's no tractor trailers being run on solar power there are no uh, ships crossing the ocean that are run on solar power. It's all diesel fuel. Okay, it's all fossil fuels. And so part of that increase, we are paying for every time we buy just about anything, um, particularly if it requires a lot of transportation costs. Um, so the companies have to um, pass that those costs on to us, the consumers. And so we want, we would like to have the ability to say, you know what, we need to uh, reassess the situation. How much are we willing to give up in order to give get uh, X gains in like um, carbon emissions or X reduction in carbon emissions? How much are we, we willing to pay? And uh, what this ruling says and other rulings like it, uh, say that we should have the people should have some say um, because everybody's affected by the the rising uh, cost of energy either through their uh, electric bill or their fuel bill or just anything any of the consumer products that they buy that trend get transported over land sea or air um, you have all of this inflation Inflation is becoming a big problem, obviously, worldwide, but particularly in this country, in the United States. And so all the people 
want to to say the proponents of this the you know reigning in the EPA's power says you know let us decide what is worth it um you know rather than having someone in the EPA decide what the policy is and what's what the people should be uh ready to sacrifice for to have these gains in you know climate change um what what are what are the people willing to sacrifice and that until very recently until this ruling a lot of that has been outside of our control it's been outside of the control of the voter because we've had no way of reining in and determining what the EPA does okay even if we uh elect a new president you know it takes a very long time to uh, affect what the EPA is doing because of course you have this thing called the deep state you have the entrenched bureaucrats they're in their you know lifetime positions and they're not accountable to anybody they're not accountable to you and me and so if you and I don't like the price of our energy or the price of gas you know we can't go to the EPA really and say you know we don't want you to uh, enact this regulation or we want you to slow down on enacting this regulation until we figure out a way to deal with the problem of how we're going to pay for it. You know, we'd like to have some input on what what uh, the EPA does, what the regulations are. We want to have more input. We want to have more say because all of us are affected. Instead of just having a small amount of experts uh, deciding for us what the right course is, how much pain the average consumer should be willing to face at the pump or uh, at the store or in their electric bill, um, you know, rather than them deciding for us how much pain is we should endure for their goals, we should say, you know, their goals should be aligned with what we're willing to do and or not do and how much we're willing to sacrifice in terms of inflation and so that's why this is good re uh ruling that's why a lot of these rulings um despite the all the hyperbole and yelling and screaming on the part of some um you know we can say no um and now you have hopefully a little bit of ammunition to use you know, if you're going to engage people online about this subject, you can say, well, no, these rulings actually um, take matters out of the hands of unelected officials and put the hand, put those matters in the hands of the people. Um, and so I wanted to mention real quick about the... Um, Dobbs versus Jackson ruling that overturned Roe versus Wade because that's kind of like a really good example of what I'm talking about here is what because what the left doesn't want to do is they don't want to debate these issues okay they want to say uh, we want uh, abortion anytime any place anytime we want. And we don't have to give you a reason why. We don't want to argue what our position is. Uh, we don't want to argue the morality of uh, the, our position on ab abortion. 
we don't want to argue about why, you know, whose rights, you know, at what point does the unborn child have rights uh, as we understand them? At what point do they have rights? They don't want to debate these matters. And so they're quite content. They were quite content for the last 50 years to not have to debate these matters with us and not have to listen to the pro-life side or the right to life side. Uh, but now they're going to, and now they're going to have to make their case um, in the case of abortion, why they want to end the life of a human being that is in the process of being developed into like a full, uh, fully functioning person, fully functioning human being. You know, why do they, they think they have the right to end that life? And they don't want to uh, have that argument. And of course, a lot of that's due to now, you know, it see it was kind of an abstract subject, um, you know, before, you know, in 1973, when you had Roe versus Wade, you know, you don't, didn't have really ultrasound that wasn't developed into until later. And now with the development of ultrasound, now you can actually see fetus uh, developing inside the womb. You can see that it's indeed a real, person um it becomes a human being in the minds of the people who see it when they see that the the ultrasound and then of course that hurts their argument well it's my body my choice and then you can show them on ultrasound well whose body is that here's an ultrasound of a fetus that fetus has an eye whose eye is that Okay, uh, whose body is that? Is that is that the mother's body or is that the fetus's body? They don't have an answer for that, and they don't want to debate these points. And they've never really been made to debate, have to debate these points to get their um, abortion the way they want it until now. Now they're going to have to defend their position. They're going to have to explain why that the eye or that finger that the fetus is sucking on, that thumb that the fetus is sucking on is not the fetus's thumb. They're going to have to explain that. And uh, they're going to have to make uh, people buy their argument now. And that's fine. If, you know, if they can, then that's how democracy works. If they can convince enough people that, hey, this is not a real person until this until this trimester or this trimester or it's never a real person until it's outside the moon, they will have a chance to explain their position. And if they can uh, convince enough people of their position, then in some cases the abortion restrictions will be loosened or, or the bans will be, um, you know, done away with, you know, but they have to now explain their positions and that's what they, they don't want to do. And that's what they never had to do until now. Now they're going to have to explain themselves. And now, unlike in the time of you know 1973, now they're going to, have to explain that with the ultrasound technology, and explain why that picture of an ultrasound of a little fetus sucking its thumb and and the heartbeat's detectable. They're going to have to argue why that's not a person, why that person should not have right to the right to life. And so they're going to have to argue that. And if they can then, you know, that's what democracy is all about. But, you know, you can't say you're for democracy until uh, there's some issue where you really don't want to explain yourself, where you really don't want to 
um, explain your position and convert people to your position. And of course, this works both ways. You know, there's some position that a conservative might have regarding, you know, the Second Amendment or, well, Second Amendment is a little different because it's an amendment. But say like the price of gas, you know, should EPA dictate uh, how many, how whether or not a coal fire plant can continue running? things of that nature and so we're going to have to explain why you know well we don't want to pay this much for gas or this much for electricity it's it's causing inflation it's causing undue hardship and the technology is not there yet you know wait for the technology to come and then our you know maybe we have to make our our case too but i think we're more willing to do that then I think the Democrats are willing to make their case, uh, particularly with regards to abortion. Um, but now they're going to have to be forced to defend their positions where before they were never forced to. And these um, representatives in House of Representatives, they're going to have to be, they're going to be held accountable for their positions now. And if the, cri- if the price of gas goes up, the price of energy goes up, they're going to be answerable to their constituents and say, why were you for uh, this regulation that that put uh, the coal biz- coal fire plants out of business? Why did you put the nuclear plants out of business? And now we have to pay more. Now they're going to have to explain why they did that. And if they can explain it, that's fine. You know, they can give the data says, you know, we saved this much in temperature of or climate change or whatever they want to say, then, then they can make that argument now, but now they're going to have to make that argument where before they didn't. And so I think that's a, that's a victory of democracy, you know, making our leaders, people who make laws and rules that affect all of us, um, make them explain why those laws and rules are good for us. So this is good. It's a victory for democracy, um, these rulings. So, It was a good summer in all. And yes, it was a good summer for democracy, despite what you may have heard. So that is that. And so I want to thank you for listening to the Liberty Relearn podcast. Uh, And please follow Liberty Relearned online, www.libertyrelearn.com. Follow us online. Uh, follow Liberty Relearned on Facebook. Follow the LR Podcast on Getter and me, JP Mac, on Parlor. And you know that um, we we this is a victory that um, that really all Americans, despite um, what they've been told, can. This is a victory for America and Americans. So. Another day, you know, another reason to continue uh, celebrating the uh, greatness of the United States, America, you know, pride in America and American exceptionalism. And, um, you know, keep those flags out through the entire month of July. And uh, let's start a movement for American Pride Month for July Uh, to be American Pride Month. And so thank you for listening. And until next time, stay healthy, happy, and free.